from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine. And everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Hello everyone and welcome to Legends Look Back, a show brought to you by Utini.com, a show for people who will always sing the Boy Meets World theme song at the top of their lungs, no matter where they are, where we talk about all things Star Wars Legends, celebrating our rich EU history, as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays, and today I'm joined once again by the fabulous Freddie C. How's it going, man? It's going real well, I have to say. I, 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 you said it earlier. I'm not sure if I'm sweating because it's hot or uh, because I'm a little nervous. But <laughs> well, you are in California. Yeah, exactly. Weather's perfect here, supposedly. Well, we, this is a very exciting episode. We've got some big things coming. You're about to find out. But before we introduce our guest, uh, Meg, how are you? Once again, we've got our producer, but this time with uh, a lot less technology to juggle. How are you doing, Meg? I mean, I'm still going to be washing everything just to make... Sure. Make it sure works. those audio levels work. That's what I do. <laughs> Everything's great. Now, we do have one uh, little bit of an announcement. Do we want to go ahead and start plugging because, hey, this came up on us fast. And that is we are moving from Twitch to YouTube Live on the 25th. Uh, if you're listening to this far in the future, hey, congratulations. Hopefully you can catch us on YouTube and we still have a podcast. And uh, if you're listening to this as soon as we drop it, which we hope most of you will, because this is going to be quite the episode, uh, we do want to let you know we are moving our live show from the 9.30 p.m. Eastern time from um, Twitch to YouTube Live on the 25th. Meg, do I have that right? You're the one that juggles the technology. It, You are correct. Okay. Uh, so on our February 25th episode, that will mark our transition. Now, here's the thing. Tonight's episode is a crazy coincidence. You might even call it the will of the force. Um, in the fall of 2019, uh, Freddie, is that when Mandalorian season one came out? I believe so. Yes. 2019. What is time anymore? <laughs> uh, I, I was writing a reading guide for Utini where um, you know you could click on Star Wars books you should read if you liked uh, The Mandalorian. In my research, I found out that there was a 50-issue comic series set during The Mandalorian Wars. And, of course, we're talking about Knights of the Old Republic by John Jackson Miller. If you'd like to know more about them, well, hey, we've spent over three hours talking about them so far this year. And Mr. Miller says that we were mostly right on our coverage there. I said, don't tell us what we got wrong. Uh, after writing the reading guide, I bought the Marvel Epic Collections. I told Freddie, hey, man, add these to the list for us to cover on Legends Look Back. And never at any point in all of this process, in the countless hours of uh, reading these on the exercise bike at the gym, did I ever in a million years anticipate that we would get the tremendous honor of talking to the legend himself, author of the masterpiece that is Kenobi, the delightfully dark Lost Tribe of the Sith, the man who led off the transition into canon publishing with the New Dawn, author of numerous beloved works of both legends and canon novels, comics, short stories, woo! Uh, here to talk about the 15th anniversary of the Knights of the Old Republic comic series, we welcome to the show John Jackson Miller himself. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Great. This is pretty exciting for us, in case you can't tell. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I appreciate it, and I've, uh, I've enjoyed listening to uh, get the bits of the podcast that I've been able to hear. It's uh, yeah, 15 years. Uh, actually, it's, this, this, this ride started 16 years ago because it was, uh, I was, I was just driving through a, uh, a an ice encrusted uh, uh, road today. And I, I remembered that it was on a day just like this that uh, I got the, the cell phone call saying, 
that uh, my uh, pitch for the uh, first Knights of the Old Republic story had been approved and that we were go. Uh, and uh, I was fortunate not to, you know, swerve off the road uh, <laughs> then or now, uh, but uh, but it's all good. That's amazing. You know, I can't imagine. I was listening to a, another Star Wars author, forgot who it was, talking about, you know, I think it was the Claudia Gray interview the other day. She was talking about getting that email while she was pumping gas. And I was like, next time I pump gas, I'm checking my email because you never know. You never yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although actually at that same intersection, about a dozen years later, I was fired from something. Oh, no, so no. I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, just, just goes to show not to check your email while you're you know, at a, uh, you know, on the phone while you're at an intersection. It's a fateful intersection for sure. Well, we really enjoyed uh, covering your Reddit AMA from a few weeks ago, uh, trying not to cover the same territory and ask you the same questions there. And of course, uh, we had you on The Living Forest uh, a couple of years ago, loved your interview there. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, about um, you know your process as a writer. Um, what is it like for you to, obviously, you've you've your, your career has spanned both prose and and uh, comics, you know, short stories. We're, we're specifically covering Knights of the Old Republic on this episode, but uh, tell us a little bit about your writing process. Gosh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that I can actually, you know, one, one of the reasons I've said that I, I have not written a book or anything like that explaining how to write is because I'm not entirely sure I know how I do it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, if, it, yeah, I was trained as a journalist. I know you know, how to write a, a, a news article. I know how to tell somebody how to write a news article. Uh, telling somebody how to write a story, uh, a, you know, a fictional story, that's just another whole thing entirely. Uh, you know, it, to me, it's much more like jazz. I just uh, play a bunch of notes and see what it sounds like. Uh, you know, I create a, a jambalaya of, uh, to drift into another metaphor, uh, of, of ingredients and uh, uh, just shake it until it looks like something. And, uh, and, you know, occasionally, you know, there'll be some touchstone moments or something where I'll, I'll, I'll see this and I'll say, okay, yeah, this is the story. This is the moment. This is the series. This is what I want, you know, to uh, everybody to feel like uh, when they're reading this. Uh, and, uh, and so that's kind of how it, how it was. And, um, you know, to put it into context, when this was uh, created, uh, you know, the series was uh, pitched, uh, I think, January of uh, 2005. So, you know, we had, um, you know, the, the, the two prequel movies, but not the final prequel movie was out. Uh, and right. so we'd had this experience of the prequels and, you know, we had this, this notion of what it was like to, uh, you know, we're all sitting in the audience and we're all smarter than everybody on screen. Sure. <laughs> we're, we're smarter than everybody on screen because we know not just, you know, you, who, who, which one of these characters is going to be Darth Vader, but we don't even know how he's going to die. Uh, you know, we, we know everything. We, yeah. we are smarter than everybody on the Jedi council. Uh, you know, we can see everything. We can see this disaster in the making. You know the the you know, the wonderful thing would have been to do something switching switching something up completely so you know uh, expectations are completely baffled uh, and and that happens that happens uh, you know now and that happens uh, you know when they adapt things these days as well when they 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 want to they if if somebody's adapting a very famous mystery they'll 
they'll uh, throw a different version of the ending or a different ending or they'll change things up just to uh, you know, keep people interested. Uh, you know, I've been going through the Hercule Poirot uh, mysteries uh, that the BBC did. And, uh, and I keep, uh, keep thinking to myself, well, since I've read these books, do I actually need to watch the movies? And then I realized, well, okay, they changed this person and that person and they changed this and that and the other thing. Um, but everybody kind of knew, uh, you know, in watching the, the prequels, uh, you know, that this nice little kid was going to become Darth Vader. Yeah. Uh, they, they knew that, uh, uh, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi was going to have to age awfully fast uh, <laughs> to get to become the guy that is in the, uh, in, uh, in the uh, New Hope movie. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, I, when I, when I came up with, you know, the idea for Zane to be a fugitive and for his, his masters to uh, have killed all their Padawans. Uh, you know, I actually started with that moment before I knew what their motive was. Hmm. Uh, I knew, I, I knew I was going to have this thing happen. I was going to have this moment like when Luke Skywalker, you know, comes back to the farm and sees what happens to his uncle and aunt uh, and he's bereft and he's depressed and it's what do I do now? Right. Um, you know, my whole world is turned upside down and what's next? Uh, and, you know, as I continued writing the plot, I then built out, uh, you know, what the motive was and the motive uh, was designed to put the reader into the position uh, of, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, or rather you, you, the reader relates to the, uh, the uh, teachers, the, uh, the covenant members, because the covenant members have seen that something bad is going to happen. Sure. Uh, And the people who have played the Knights of the Old Republic video game have seen that something bad is going to happen. They just don't know who's going to become what, okay. if anybody. Yeah, that's so and, you know, we approached it as though, you know, there were going to be uh, you know, deeper connections than, than maybe, you know, we really ever intended. Uh, but, you know, uh, the, the plan always had been it wouldn't be completely. Uh, and, and, and I should say, Dark Horse never said anything about. I need to tie into the video games. Right. Uh, they just wanted the name. Uh, Dark Dark Horse actually created the Knights of the Old Republic name oh, right. uh, because it oh, came okay. first from uh, the the uh, the Tales of the Jedi. And so, you know, I I, I was the one that decided. Well, I'm going to back it up about seven years before, so we won't know who's going to become who. We don't know who's going to do what, but we're able to use these settings before they get blown up real good. Uh, we could use we we could use terrace. Uh, we can use all these other things, and uh, and so there's these familiar things. And then I also decided, yeah, let's let's do something. It won't be part of the A story. It won't be part of the first story, but let's do something where I can get Malik in there. I can get Revan in there. You'll notice that Revan and Malik are not in one through six proper that's the commencement series okay uh that's because they were never part of the pitch ah. uh they came to me as we were looking at doing um because I, I wanted to do a free comic book day uh issue right uh, because it was actually in my magazine 
comics retailer that I edited, we we actually in that magazine, that's where free comic book day was invented. Uh, Joe Field was a columnist for our magazine. He proposed free comic book day. Diamond responded in the magazine said, Hey, let's do it. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, I kind of had that brush with the beginning of that. And I said, well, I'd really love to write a free comic book day issue. Dark Horse said, well, that's too late for yeah. when the series is coming out. Cause we're, yeah. we came out in January. Right. And free comic book day was in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they said, well, let's just real quick do a, a, a prologue story that's unrelated to everything else. Uh, and uh, I said, well, that's great. Cause then I can tie it into the second story arc where we've got Malik. Wow. And now I should shut up and let you ask some questions. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Let's see. He's covered four or five of our questions so far. Yeah, that's that's perfect. I, you know, you're you're a, you're an amazing storyteller. And one of the one of the questions I had for you is, what's your favorite thing about being a writer? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's uh, a number of famous people have been attributed uh, to this. I, I don't I don't like writing. I like having written. Uh, yeah. <laughs> probably this is uh, this probably this is my my favorite part of the writing is being able to talk about it later after the work is all done sure. uh, and after it has hopefully been a success and received. Uh, you know, uh, this last year uh, has you know with no with no conventions or anything like that. That's it's been it's been rough. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. uh, I had a, I had a novel come out last summer. Uh, you know, I haven't signed but a couple of copies in person. Uh, and, and, you know, one of them was to the proofreader of the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it, it's sort of like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody is there to hear it, uh, did it happen? Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I am is, is, uh, you know, it's, it, it, I, these things don't resonate with me until they're actually out there and, you know, people are talking about them and I can talk to them. Yeah, that's really thoughtful. We appreciate, you know, for us as fans that you do engage with us to such an incredible level that you do, especially love the way that you do the behind the scenes on your website. Um, I I might have spent more time reading the behind the scenes of every issue than I actually spent reading the issues themselves (laughs) as we were getting ready for the podcast. I forget what's up there. Uh, You know, I just I just uh, this summer, one of my, you know, pandemic projects uh, or, or rather, you know, lock-in projects is I, I, I moved the entire site again. Uh, it's now like the, the 4.0 version of the site. I moved it all to WordPress. And so I got to reread everything and, uh, I, well, not everything, but I, that's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, yeah there is. <laughs> yeah, there, sure. there is. And I keep forgetting what's on there and what isn't. And, uh, you, you had mentioned that, uh, I said something, you got something wrong. You didn't get it wrong. It's that, I thought the thing was on there that actually it, it, it turns out it's not on there. You uh, had asked, uh, you had discussed uh, who the physical model for Zane was. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Dustin Weaver. And I looked to see where this was quoted. I don't think I said it originally. Uh, he, it, it was, it, it was said on the dark horse boards. Dustin Weaver said it. And that's and and he had said that he based his look on Christian Slater, and yeah. that may well be true, and I'm sure it is true. But Dustin didn't create Zane, right? Um, as far as I can remember, and I cannot find the email where it was said to me, so I think it may have been said just verbally. Uh, Zane is, uh, and this is not going to help the people who are listening. Just an audio. 
Zane is basically is supposed to look like Eric Stoltz well. as of some kind of wonderful. It's so uncanny. <laughs> wow. And yeah, and and uh, I think that's kind of who he uses the model. Uh, you know, he's just this sort of uh, happy but intense looking kid with the with the nineteen eighties hair. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and, and that's kind of who I have always heard for him as well after he suggested that. So, so yeah, uh, uh, this, uh, 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 Christian Slater is a lot more intense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, this, that was much more accurate for sure. Um, we had to put a, a picture of, um, I had to put a, the picture of that that movie cover that he just showed us up in our Discord channel for everybody to be able to see. Um, I appreciate that you've <laughs> set the record straight on that. You know, one of my favorite stories that you tell in the behind the scenes on uh, the website is how you had lost uh, a portion of one of the issues that you had written due to a, a computer failure, yeah. a hard drive crashing. And now you said, and I couldn't tell by the tone on your website or not, whether or not this was a joke or if this That's was true. true, that you keep a flash drive on your cat's collar, is that true? Oh, that was. Uh, I think I was joking about okay. that. that. That's uh, that, no, that, that was joking computer about crash that. is true. No, I, I think I was joking about that, and I think that was that's probably a reference uh, back to uh, the cat from outer space, uh, a Disney movie. Oh, okay. Uh, or uh, if not that, then uh, then uh, for the love of Benji, where Benji the dog had it. Uh, a secret microfilm stamped under his paw. Uh, I, I I I can't remember which it was. So yeah, I'm sure, pretty sure that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was bad because that issue was almost completely written, and this was back before the days when uh, yeah, I think I think you know Mac was still on OS nine uh, or or eight, and so there you know there was no time machine. There was no way to roll back completely, uh, and whatever backup. I was using was not was not there, uh, and that ended up being that ended up being the issue that we thought was cursed anyway, uh, because that was the issue with um, uh, with uh, the uh, the it, it, I did I did a single issue where it was uh, it was called Homecoming, uh, and it was uh, it was Lucian coming back to uh, you know visit with his mother right. or try to. Uh, and, uh, it, it wasn't that it was cursed, but what, what happened was, um, I, we had a number of scheduling things. There was kind of a domino effect that happened, uh, by doing that zero issue that meant that Brian got behind and couldn't do issue five. Sure. So that's why travel foreman is the artist on issue five. Uh, and then, uh, when Dustin is in doing a flashpoint, he does such a wonderful, extremely detailed work that he can't get the third part done uh, in time. And so Brian is available by then. And so we flip-flop issues nine and 10. Hmm. So if you have the original comics, you will realize that, that we go Flashpoint part one, Flashpoint part two, Flashpoint interlude. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and then Flashpoint three. Um, and, and, you know, I spent years explaining why that was and why we reversed it in the trade paperback from then on. Sure. I was like, Hey, nobody will ever remember this from now on because, <laughs> you know, they showed the episodes out of order, like they do on TV. Sometimes yeah. no one will ever know that they were shown out of order. Uh, and now of course it turns out 
that uh, that issue with Lucian is one of the most valuable Star Wars comics in existence. Right. Uh, which is insane. Um, but it, it is because, uh, and I did a whole different podcast on this with the, with a, a group of uh, comic book speculators uh, who you'll probably wear that. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, they, it, it's just something that in this summer and winter where people didn't have conventions to go to, they started bidding things up. Uh, and, you know, my friend, uh, you know, Nick at, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, key collector comics app started highlighting all the first appearances of characters. And so, oh, right. uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we get, we get, you know, the first, first appearance of Malik, the first named appearance of Malik, the first uh, appearance of Revan, the first named appearance of Revan. And, you know, I, I remember I threw all of those guys because I, I said the very, 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 very first appearance of Revan is not in nine and it's not in 42. It's in zero. Oh, uh, yeah. He's very, very tiny uh, in the background uh, of a scene where Zane is flying uh you know into uh into uh, visit his teachers uh let's go back and look for that yeah it's very small and so yeah they're bidding that issue up now too uh sure and uh i'd feel better about that if it was five years ago because i still had <laughs> i had i had a thousand copies of that issue wow um, because they were going to be given out at a convention and the convention didn't get around to stuffing the bags uh, oh and, no <laughs> And so I said, well, I'm taking them with me. <laughs> and so, yes, I've been giving those issues out for decades, uh, decades. Wow. So yep. it's, uh, Giving out your retirement fund. That, that's I actually. I didn't know. Well, what I just did do um, is I, I did just do a signature series signing uh, at my local comic shop where uh, there are going to be a number of issues coming on the market that uh, some of them are from my personal collection. And then some of them are others that people brought to me. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I uh, I the the I they, they even had me doodle uh, you know characters on some of them. So uh, you know I can't draw it all, but uh, but uh, you know I can. I can yeah, there's I can the Mumo illustration. Yeah, there's the Mumo <laughs> brothers and and Griff. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, apparently that. you don't have to be able to draw to be uh, a, a, somebody signing a comic book. So yeah, who needs a signature when you can draw the Mumo brothers? So one of the things I wanted to ask you, going back to the very beginnings of of your writing process and whatnot, uh, who was your what was your inspiration for Zane? I mean, he's he's kind of he's not very traditional, right? He he's kind of a screw up, uh, but he's very pure in heart. So I just wanted to get a little bit of of that background on, on well, that inspiration. All, all of these stories and just about everything I've done were retelling the original Star Wars, uh, at least in the in the from the perspective of you know. Zane is like Luke. He's this person who feels like he's on the periphery of everything. The hero's and journey. Who's, whose life is miserable. And he discovers that he's thrust into the center of things and um, has to try to find his own way from there. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think really Zane is more, you know, uh, you know he, he more comes from, you know, the, the source material in that sense. Uh, you know, uh, other characters, uh, you know, there's a little of, you know, this character, a little of that character, uh, a little of this plot line here and there, uh, that come from other things. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, obviously, you know, people make 
you know, con uh, comparisons to The Fugitive, uh, you know, not just the TV show, not, not just the movie The Fugitive, but the TV show The Fugitive before that. Uh, and of course, The Fugitive, you know, before that even goes back to Les Miserables and, and okay. other, uh, other, other, other things like that. Uh, but then there are just things that are just moments that I want to capture. The, the speech that Zane gives uh, to the masters at the end of commencement, uh, you know, I'm riffing on a movie called Ransom there. Uh, oh. And and Ransom was uh, you know, most recently done by Mel Gibson, uh, but before that had been done in the 50s with Glenn Ford, uh, who, who you know, basically he sends a message to the people who have kidnapped his son saying, see all this money, you're not going to get any of it. Instead, I'm going to spend it all. I'm going to spend the rest of my life hunting you down. Uh, and and it's designed to scare the heck out of whoever is listening, whoever is out there. Yeah. Uh, and that same moment is in both versions of that movie. Uh, and I wanted to have him have that moment. And then I wanted there to be a subtext to that moment, which is that, again, if you're the person reading the comic book and if you, you know, Everybody is constantly, when's he going to fall to the dark side? When right. is he going to fall to the dark side? Why does every Jedi have to fall to the dark side? It's been <laughs> done. It's That's been, right. It's been done, and it's been done by better than me. I mean, it's been done, <laughs> you know, it's been done. Uh, but everybody's constantly going there. And, you know, I'm looking with Zane and saying, no, this kid is going to end up taking a third way. He's going to take another path. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the thing is, uh, you know, that, that, you know, that punchline there at the end of the book is designed to do what he intended to do, which is to scare the masters. He's really trying to just scare them away from him. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, they are on notice, but at that moment, he has no plan, no expectation that he's ever going to succeed. Uh, and, uh, of course we, we finally get in, in, uh, in commence, not commencement in, um, uh, uh, vindication, uh, in vindication, we finally get the moment, uh, spoiler warnings, I guess, galore here, but <laughs> yeah. vindication, we, we, we get the speech by Griff who is like, you know, if you were really paying attention, <laughs> he, he says this to, he says this to, to uh, Kenelia, but he is as if you were really paying attention Anybody who knew this kid would never in a zillion years think he was going to fall to the dark side. Yeah. He might fall under a bus, but he's not going <laughs> to, he, 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 he might fall off a building. He's not going to fall to the dark side. It's right. just not him. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, this is the, the, the comic relief character does not fall to the dark side. And, both Zane and Griff, uh, you know, Griff, Griff, Griff doesn't think he's a comic relief character, and he right, is. Right. Right. Uh, and and Zane was clearly the comic relief in his group of friends. Okay. Uh, you know, sure. He, he he clearly, and that that's that's one of the other moments that I liked out of commencement is that sort of you know, there's kind of a, a a darker you know vibe there, which is that yeah, his friends love him, but they can tell he's not gonna make it they mm -hmm. they 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 in fact the thing that gets zane's best friend killed is that he 
immediately suspects them when they're going to make Zane a, a Jedi Knight. He's like, yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's really uh, if that guy. You this know, doesn't we love him, and right? We love him and everything, but you know, that's that's just not that's not it. And so, and again, did that was that moment on the page when I wrote the plot? I'm not sure if it was. Hmm. Uh, but by that point, you know, in the writing process, it's like, oh, well, that's that makes sense. Sure, that, that's natural, and. You know, I just finished writing a, 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 a you know, my pandemic novel, I guess it would be. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I had written 130,000 words and uh, longest novel I've ever written. And uh, and I got to the end of it, was ready to send it. And I said, oh, wait, uh, there's there's another thousand words that belong in this book. Uh, and, you know, so uh, so I added that. So. Wow. So anyway, uh, I, 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 I'm always working on multiple different things at the same time. Yeah. And and. and multiple projects, but, you know, you always are sort of, uh, uh, you know, the story will reveal itself to you as much as it is, as, as it does to, uh, as the, to the reader. Wow. I appreciate, um, the thoughtful answer there. I like the idea that you didn't want to just, uh, rehash the territory that had already been covered <laughs> with Zane and wanted to tell yeah. a more interesting story, more original. Now you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, Griff and how they are both comic relief in their own way. Um, and I brought this up on the show a couple of weeks ago. I want to get your take on it. In your mind, is Griff more Danny DeVito or Joe Pesci? <laughs> there he is. He's showing the show. Is that a Griff trading card? Oh, you know, that, that is a Griff trading card. It's a one of a kind by uh, by Brian Ching. Yes. Oh, is it by Brian uh, Ching? Wow. It's one of the top <laughs> heritage cards. We've got yeah, a, a was, thread going in our Discord of all the different looks, the drastically different looks that the artists give. Well, him. nobody could tell what he was. I mean, right? he, he, he he goes from being a, a monkey to a hedgehog, uh, <laughs> and 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 back and Don't forth, and and that's okay. Uh, and, and he doesn't really look that much like the action figure either, uh, which is what his species was kind of based on in my mind. Yeah. Um. But but. Uh, but no, I, I, I think, uh, I think I had, you know, for his voice, uh, I, I kind of go with Steve Buscemi. Oh, okay, uh, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause, uh, yeah, he's, he, he's, he's somebody who's always calculating. He's, uh, he's, he's, uh, a legend in his own mind. The, the uh, Griff is and, yeah. uh, and he, and he doesn't, he, he takes everything extremely seriously except when he doesn't and uh, if something goes totally wrong it's like oh well, i never really meant to you know that was that was no big deal yeah. that was that was you know that was that was that was nothing <laughs> that was uh, and and again i was able to plug that a little bit into his species and their description because if you look in the 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 uh, the alien uh, the alien guide. I kept using the alien guide from the uh, yeah. the, the Coast role playing game. Right. And and they talk about his species and how the Snivians and how they basically uh, they go around play acting. They they go around. Uh, they, they their whole thrill is uh, I'll pretend to be a banker and I'll just be a banker, <laughs> uh, or I'll pretend to be a lawyer and I'll just be a lawyer. Yeah. And it's all sort of an art to them. And I I looked at it that way. You know, I, I, you know, there are various things where um, the series kind of kind of gets a a, a course correction halfway through uh, right. because of a vector, right? And because there's a change in editors 
we go from Jeremy Barlow, uh, who, who leaves to go do uh, Indiana Jones uh, and takes me with them to do the Indiana Jones adaptation. Uh, Randy Stradley takes over for about a year. Uh, and then we go to, to Dave Marshall, uh, uh, who is, is now the editor-in-chief at, at Dark Horse uh, for the last, uh, you know, last two, three, four years uh, that I'm working with, uh, with Dark Horse on Star Wars. Um, and, you know, uh, Randy came with a variety of suggestions that he wanted to you know, see us do this, you know, freshen the series up. You know, there's one big one having to do with the plot uh, and Vector. Uh, but but the, the one of the smaller ones was he said he said are you concerned that Griff never learns anything and <laughs> and I said oh no 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 Griff learns that he's right Griff only ever learns that his point of view is is right I can and relate whatever whatever has just happened is just more proof that he's right. Oh, <laughs> You know, uh, you know, Malik and Demigal get into a you know brawl. You know, he's he's got the he's got the line. He, you know, I, I'll, I'll never understand why people fight when there's no money involved. I mean, <laughs> okay. that's 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 I I wanted. You know, one of the things you'll you know some people say about growing older is you just become a more extreme version of yourself. Uh, and yeah. in, in this case, uh, you know, that's him. So uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, there are other things that he suggested that that you know I I I built in or found ways to to do. Uh, you know, the the you know Zane being a pacifist. Uh, yeah. You know, we decided to, we decided to uh, amplify that and to you know put him in a position where he accidentally had to kill somebody, uh, which happens uh, in uh, in Destroyer, uh, and uh, and then he's he's just is trying to navigate you know life as. Uh, a Jedi who really doesn't want to, you know, a Jedi, but somebody who follows most of the Jedi path. Yeah. But he just does not, he doesn't feel qualified to say who should live or die anymore. Uh, and uh, you, know, you, you watch a Star Wars movie, that's a pretty big body count. Um, yeah. There's a huge body count in the Knights of the Old Republic comics, but uh, Zane only kills one person. And that's, a, that's an accident. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that is, that is, uh, I, I said, well, you know, if Spider-Man can go through 50 years not killing anybody, uh, I can, uh, except by accident a couple of times, uh, you know, I, we can try this uh, and, and see what it looks like. Because yeah. it'll, it'll, if nothing else, it'll look different. Um, yeah. And then again, probably the biggest change was because of Vector um that rearranged and i know that you got into it on on your your podcast that rearranged the plots of the uh the when when various parts of the plot got resolved um you know jerail's story demigal's story those would have been resolved um before zane's um you know chase would have been over uh but uh but you know the uh the 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 fact is that uh, you know, when we when we were doing uh, Vector, uh, Dark Horse really wanted there to be consequences. Sure. Uh, that when the when 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 the story arc finished in Knights of the Old Republic, that you could get to the end of the year and say, okay, that mattered. Right. Uh, because so many crossovers that you see in yeah. <laughs> other comics, right, mm -hmm. don't have any impact. Nothing happens because of them. 
Yeah. Uh, and obviously we weren't going to have any, you know, kind of crisis on infinite earth kind of thing. Uh, but it did, uh, it, it was the case that uh, Celeste gives us the evidence or gives Zane the evidence that he needs to be able to start knocking down the dominoes faster. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, where I had been going, I was going to probably kill one of the, one of the, one of the masters a year, uh, I, the, of the covenant. And yeah. I, I, we, we pushed it forward and then that moved Jarrell and, and, uh, uh Roland Demigal to the other side. Okay. Uh, but that was okay. I mean, it was the only fear was that if the, if I didn't get to finish the Demigal story, then the whole thing would have just been weird. Yeah, that thread would have been left hanging. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I like that idea that um, the the crossover event needed to feel like good storytelling rather than yeah. just like a money grab, which, yeah, which yeah. I think is often a complaint um, when it comes to those. Well, we we kind wanted of the money. We, we wanted the money. <laughs> um, Be honest. No, when, when, when Randy sent the idea to all of us, the, the, uh, I think, I think the, uh, I think the subject line was the same thing. Uh, we want to be able to do the same thing that everybody else does, sure. uh, which is, which is you know, draw attention to these books. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but also we wanted to do it our way. We knew we couldn't do it the same way. Uh, it, it, it took a good year to get that hammered out. Sure. Uh, it, 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 we knew that the characters couldn't encounter each other except in the case of maybe a force vision. Uh, and, and it really, it really was a collaboration where, um, you know, I, I think at one point, at one point the discussion was, well, it could be a biological threat. And then our thinking was, well, yeah, but you know, a, a, a virus isn't very visual, uh, you know, except in terms of, of, you know, what it does to the world, uh, as we found out. Um, yeah. and, and then, and then I think Jander Sema just happened to be, uh, uh you know, Googling, uh, on Wikipedia and found the rat ghouls. And I said, Oh yeah. I said, I said, yeah, Knights of the Old Republic. It's never explained where these things came from. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I believe the only possible explanation for them is Sith magic, uh, because, you know, people you know turn into these things and suddenly gain you know hulk like you know right. proportions uh where's that coming from uh and why is it that only the sith have the serum um only malik's people have the serum in the game going on so mm -hmm. i said well that's then fine we'll we'll do that but even so we had to go through i, I went through four drafts to wow. get to the beginning of uh of that uh, of that arc uh, and and you know fi finally with the fourth draft they flew us all out to uh, to uh, Portland and and we were basically, we basically sat around for a weekend and figured it all out. Wow, that's amazing. Um, like the behind the scenes of of creating the comic, right? You've got all the people involved trying to come up with a story, or at least you know you've got uh, all of the drafts that you're coming up with and whatnot. And I just find that whole thing very interesting because we always see the the end product, right? But we actually never get to see that that creation what what does that take what does that look like usually in your world it's, it's not pretty <laughs> it's, it's not always pretty no i mean it's it's uh you know i there's there's tens of thousands of words that were you know thrown away uh over the course of
it was a it was a buddy cop movie. I mean, it was Zane and Griff, and that was it. Uh, it because right. there's just explaining everybody else is just too much. It was sure. just too much. Uh, and um, you know, I had already, uh, you know, I I'd known already that uh, I I needed to begin moving closer to, you know, the uh, the you know the 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 mechanics of what the covenant was trying to do and how they were more than just these, you know, four or five people. Uh, and I, I said, okay, that's how, that's how these pieces interlock. Uh, and, and that would be the way that we got there. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it really was a case of uh, throwing, throwing, yeah, you see the movie, the Martian where the guy's throwing all the furniture out of the yeah, spaceship so right. it can lift off. <laughs> Just watched that a couple that, weeks ago. Yeah, that was literally that story. Um, sure. uh, I was I was throwing more and more out of it, and and you know it it also was a it was a good palate cleanser for me because uh, I had just done the the year the second year which was the days nights days nights year, uh, and it was really really verbose. Uh, it was it, you want to you want to know why we got so far behind that year. Uh, it's because the pages were just loaded. There was so much stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, and we ended up going through multiple artists and fill in artists and everything. Uh, and, and a big part of it was that, uh, I just had, I, there's the, the, the whole, the whole final scene or uh, issue or two on the Arcanian legacy. Yeah. There's like 16 named characters. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of text, a lot of dialogue in those issues. And, and the thing is, I intended to do that. Right. The re I, I intended for that story arc to feel like the very first original Star Wars story arc I read, which was the Wheel story by Archie Goodwin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and in the Marvel Comics, I think it was issue eighteen to twenty-three, uh, and and they were they were only doing seventeen-page issues back then. Okay. And so they were having to cram in as much as they could on the page already. Right. Uh, but. That story arc is loaded. It's loaded, and Darth Vader shows up in the middle of it or near the end of it, and there's just a whole lot of stuff going on. And that was what I wanted. I wanted to have, and I do this in a lot of my stories, um, you know, in, including Star Trek, where you'll have the Battle of the Five Armies. Basically, you'll have everybody show up at once, yeah. uh, and and. You know, it, it's it's everybody rushes on the screen and uh, and, and, you know, I and that was what I wanted to have. I was just, uh, it, it, the problem simply is uh, that gets really, really hard to draw. Yeah. And and so uh, yeah, the, the best thing I could say for it is, uh, you know, we did finally pay off all of the subplots that we introduced um the worst thing i can say for it is some of the sh subplots were shortchanged right uh and and uh and you know that was you know i'd hoped to do a, a thing with griff where we, he would you know we would we would explain where he was the whole time he was missing uh it ended up being a page uh a page <laughs> a, a page three years later uh and a running joke all that but you got time. that page yeah, I got the page, but it needed to be more than that. And uh, but you know, th this is the thing: it's comics. It's like it's like television. Um, you know, in like network TV series, 
uh, you know, in the pre-streaming era, you cannot control when a series is going to end. Yeah. Uh, and so you'll have things like Babylon five, which has to rush and finish the fourth season, uh, thinking that the series is going to be canceled and it resolves every important subplot uh, at the end of the fourth season. And then they accidentally get picked up for a fifth season. And it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, it's like, now what? Um, oh, no. Well, uh, or, 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 or a series will discover that they are getting canceled. And so they have to rush things. Yeah. Uh, and the end of the series suffers from that. Um, you know, I could have used, uh, you know, Demon, which was uh, four issues. Uh, it, it was a, it was a concept that was written for six. Okay. Um, but oh, it's so it excellent. Was, yeah, well, I, I didn't actually write it as six. I would have preferred it to have been six. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, the Destroyer Destroyer literally was three issues, and we smushed it to two, okay. uh, in order for me to get a, th- a fourth issue out of out of uh, out of uh, out of Demon because there was no way they they wanted to end at fifty because it was a round number, and more importantly. It would have it would have wrapped it up in ten volumes of the the graphic novels that they were doing at the time. Sure, uh, they wanted to do, or actually would have that would have been a knife. Um, one of the dynamics in comics is that uh, publishers don't really like to have numbering on a graphic novel series go past volume nine uh, unless it's a manga. Uh, because booksellers, they will order fewer copies of volume two than volume three. Right. But they'll order fewer copies of volume seven than volume six. Yeah. And once you get to volume 10, it goes <laughs> down the tubes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and, it's, and it's because if you think about it, if you're running a bookstore, are you going to want to carry volume 10 of something and have somebody keep asking, well, where's volumes one through five, six, <laughs> right. seven, eight, nine? That's a lot of stuff to have to stock. Yeah. Uh, and so you'll, you'll feel better about something shorter. So again, I'm against reboots in general. Uh, on my website, Comicron, I have a whole uh, essay about you know not rebooting comics numbering from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's there's a lot of Star Wars number ones out there. Yeah, there's too many. There's too many. There's yeah. and 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 there's a there's a there's a functional reason uh, not to do it as well, which is that um, you know comic shops uh, have these subscription folders, and if if you actually reboot a series, uh, if you take eight months off or something, or a year off, or three years off between the old one and the new one, well, that subscriber list vanishes. Sure. Everybody who said give me that book. Uh, you know, the, 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 one of the reasons we have stability in the industry now, uh, in, relative to in the distant past, is that uh, you know the 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 number of people who buy issue fifty four of a series is going to be reasonably close to the number of people who buy issue fifty three. Sure. Uh, because you actually have to physically go to the comic shop or send an email and say, "Hey, take me off this list." Right. Most people don't. Yeah. And and so and so there's an inertia there. There's a momentum there that stays. Uh, and and if you just keep restarting every time, yeah, you get the collectors going for the first issue or whatever. Right. But, you know, you end up the sales go right back where they were usually uh, and sometimes lower uh, because every jumping on point is a jumping off point. 
we're actually in the middle of starting up some more comics content on utini.com. Uh, we're trying to get more comics coverage, starting a new podcast. And uh, one of the written pieces that I'm currently working on is uh, explaining the difference between all the different Darth Vader series that have ever existed. You've got Darth Vader and uh, from 20, what was that? 2015, Darth Vader 2018, Darth Vader 2020. It's, it's, there's a oh. lot of uh, restarting at number one. Note that that's really a Marvel phenomenon, too. Um, okay. You know, one of the weird things, and we discussed it at Dark Horse, uh, uh, one of the weird things about, about the Dark Horse line, they didn't do much in the way of comics named after a character. Oh, uh, sure. Which is weird because almost all of the biggest selling comics are named after a character. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Batman, Daredevil, whoever. Um, you know, it's... It's not usually the case uh, that uh, that uh, something's not named after a character. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, um, huh. you know, the Knights of the Old Republic comics are the Knights of the Old Republic comics because of the setting. Uh, it's really the Zane Carrick series. Should have been the uh, Mumo Brothers series, am I right? Well, <laughs> if it hadn't been called Knights of the Old Republic, uh, you know, I had suggested Renegade. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Uh, just because that would have been his, you know, his thing. Uh, yeah. he's, he's, he, 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 and, but again, that, that sounds actually tougher and angrier than he actually is. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> sure. So uh, I'm not, I'm not I'm not sure what it would be. But, well, speaking uh, but of anyway. angry and tough, you know, you mentioned this a minute ago that uh, one of the biggest twists in the series ended up getting pushed till uh, much later, till after Vector. Um, that is the big twist. And this is maybe the biggest spoiler for the entire run. So if you haven't read these yet, you know, this is a, a warning here. Um, one of the biggest twists revolves around realizing that the rogue Mandalorian, Roland Dyer, and the mad Mandalorian scientist Demigol are, in yes. fact, they've been body swapped. <laughs> and there's been a switcheroo. Right. Uh, yeah, what was it like right. writing the long con? And it, for those who are listening on audio, he's showing action figures of the characters, which yeah, I didn't uh, know existed. Yeah, that's uh, that's the uh, that's the 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 they did the Star Wars uh, comic pack with the first issue that Roland appears in. Oh, nice! A, a cameo panel, uh, and that's that's a that's a Jarrell and a a Roland. Oh, uh, cool. I keep my props right here. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> um, they're the only action figures they ever made uh, wow. of of the of the characters. But uh, but no. Uh, okay, so again, this goes. A lot of times, writers are trying to entertain themselves, uh, sure. and and or we're trying to recapture things. Uh, it the thing with the thing with Roland and and, and Demigol. This harkens back. Um, to a there was a series uh, done by Jim Starlin uh, called Dreadstar. Uh, it was a, an epic comic for Marvel. Uh, the very first comic book I did for Marvel was an epic comic called Crimson Dynamo. Uh, but the 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 Dreadstar series was a, a sort of an adult science fiction series uh, in the early eighties. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, Jim Starlin, of course, is the creator of Thanos. Uh, and and a lot of the stuff that you see with the, the yeah. MCU, uh, the Infinity Infinity Gauntlet, all of that. Um, but uh, but he did a thing where he hit a traitor in the cast uh, of Dreadstar for about a year and a half, two years almost. Uh, it, it, and uh, because he was the only person writing that series, um, he was able to pay it off. He knew who the character was. Uh, and he was able to pay it off. He knew, he knew what he was going to do, I assume. And he was able to pay it off. Um, fast forward about a year or so. 
uh, and uh, or maybe somewhere in there at the same time, uh, you have uh, the uh, the you have the Amazing Spider-Man comic where the Hobgoblin is introduced. Uh, that's that's a a successor to the Green Goblin, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember whether Roger Stern. I think Roger Stern wrote wrote his introduction. Yeah, Roger wrote that, and then it was picked up by Tom DeFalco after Roger left. Um, but I remember, you know, there were clues there as to who he might be, but um, we really couldn't tell whether it was something uh, like, you know, you know, where the where the the, uh, the writer already knew who the character was going to be, yeah. or whether it was going to be something like the Green Goblin in the nineteen sixties, where Stan didn't hadn't even introduced Norman Osborn yet. Right. Uh, he, he, you know, they, they didn't know who that character was going to be. Uh, and that is something that has always driven me absolutely nuts. Uh, when that happens, whether it's in TV or comics or whatever, you know, it'll, when they re- when they reveal that it lost, they don't really know what's going on until later yeah. in the series they'll make an episode. <laughs> Let me get me started. Yeah, I, uh, Quantum Leap. Oh, uh, give me a break. You know, <laughs> you kind of... You kind of must have sort of known what it was going to be, what things were about. Uh, and, and yes, I understand that you want to leave doors open and, and, and let things develop, as I, as I, as I did as well uh, with Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, but, you know, I remember at a convention having this heated conversation about whether there really was an answer to who the Hobgoblin was or whether they were making it up as they went along. Uh, and right. and indeed they did the la- the later arcs by other writers they made up one answer and then years later Roger Stern came back and wrote a, a comic book where he said no 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 this was my answer over here yeah uh, so it's so it might have been both answers to that I'll question to look into that I wanted to do this I wanted to have a con um, there were gonna be uh, several long cons in this series that were going to you know get uh we're going to we're, we're going to victimize our con artists uh one of them is hazen uh this right. long con that he's been running uh with the help of the sith magic of the yoke of seeming which allows him to look like a normal person such a great uh, reveal to, but it only works to jedis uh it, it, everybody else can see what he looks like um and and then and then we have uh and then we have demigal uh and i i literally on the page of the script uh of of uh of issue uh of issue 10 it was originally issue 9 yeah uh i in the intro or not in the intro but in the in the in the uh, in the text for the artist i say all right starting here this is demigol in the armor hmm. and hmm. we're going to stiffen his body language and uh I want I want the I want the uh, I want the editor to know we're uh, we're dropping contractions at this point uh, because he speaks formally okay. uh, and uh, when we have him in combat uh, you know he's much more martial artistry uh, and and you know he, it, it and he's very precise with what he does uh, and somebody on the dark horse boards figured it out immediately. Yeah, of and, course. <laughs> and just immediately, and I'm like, wow, I've really screwed this up. And <laughs> but we start going forward, um, because 
because there were mysteries that were intended to be mysteries and mysteries that weren't. Um, Malik was obviously, you know, we joke about Malik being Alec and right, being yeah. Squint before that. <laughs> well, it was never intended that anybody would think he was anybody other than Malik. Yeah, it's that's evident. Char- yeah. It's just the characters don't know yet. Um, the, the characters don't know yet. And it was my belief at the time, and I still believe it, that all Darth names are not the original names. There's some, you know, it, it, you, you, you don't, you're not, you're not Steve and you don't become Darth Steve. Right. Uh, at, the, <laughs> at the time, at the time in the fandom, there was this feeling that Revan was Revan's real name. Mm-hmm. There was this feeling that, uh, that, uh, that Malik was Malik's real name. And I didn't want, I didn't want to show either of those things being true. Yeah. Because, because, that would imply that Sidious is somebody's real name, and that's silly. <laughs> sure. uh, you know, it's they're they're you know uh, you know his name is Sheev. Both, yeah, both, but yeah. So so I I said okay. So Revan is going to be short for Revanchist, uh, and that's that's you know that's something that uh, is a term that I knew back from from you know poli sci grad school, and uh, and uh, and you know Malik. Uh, I just I sort of slid into that. I gave him the, I, the my biggest mistake was giving him a last name on a page of uh, of the fifty seventh issue of the series that nobody counts as part of the series, the handbook. Yeah. Uh, but it is it was there is story content in that handbook, um, but uh, but yeah, I shouldn't have put the name there because uh, <laughs> the the uh, the. Uh, the other thing that they did, not action figures for, but they did miniatures. They did Knights of the Old Republic miniatures uh, for the uh, for the uh, miniature game. Wow. And I actually got called out by the designer of the miniatures uh, at a panel at Gen Con saying, okay, Alec, what's the deal with his last name? Because we had to try to fit it on his, uh, oh. on his, <laughs> oh, on no. his card. And I'm like... Yeah, that was never supposed to be his last name. Just for the handbook. Yeah. No, we always it was that was going to be in continuity for like two months. Right. And then Vector happened, and it went more than two months, and you know, and it, and it got out there, and it's loose, and people have wondered about it ever since. And it's like, well, I shouldn't have shouldn't have gone there. But right. anyway, yeah. So so yeah, that turns out to be uh, uh you know it's. Uh, you know, the, the Hazen thing is a long con in t- terms of years, because obviously Hazen's been doing it for 20 years or so, 30 years. Um, Demigol's yeah. con is just over the course of three years of the series, 30 odd, 40 odd issues. Uh, but it's a it's a much bigger deal. I'm glad that we got to pay it off. Uh, and uh, and, you know, I have spent the last, you know, up the up. Uh, trying to trump that, uh, and uh, so you know when I did a trilogy for Star Trek, uh, the Prey trilogy, um, I have a character named Korg who uh, who has a con that lasts a hundred years. Wow! Uh, and because he's a, because he's a Klingon, he can do that. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, if 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 you if you're looking for that Knights of the Republic, you know what's the what's the you know what's the long con going on here? Uh, that that's uh, that's. That's that's uh, there's a lot of that flavor in that series. Well, cool. I've never dipped my toe into Star Trek in any medium, but if ever there's a time to do it, it's when we're in the middle of a global pandemic and uh, there's nobody to see and nothing to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> might have yeah. to check that out, Freddie. I know you've got one more big question here. Yeah, I've got a big one. So you know, looking at those characters you keep bringing up, your your action figures, and especially the Kenobi in the background, and the fact that a lot of fans have. Kenobi and a lot of your your content in their top five. 
uh, you know, there, there's so many things to be proud of, but specifically with KOTOR, what's your proudest moment with, with these comics? Oh, gee. Uh, you know, I, I think having the, having the omnibus come out, that's, that just tops everything. Um, because these books have now been reprinted one, two, three different ways. Yeah. Uh, just in the United States. Uh, and this is going to be the first time where it's all in one volume and it's going to be, it's going to be massive. Yeah. The fact that I got to do it all, that is so rare. That is huge. That is, that, that is so rare. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a name writer of comics, uh, you know, somebody that gets to go in and gets a, gets a guarantee of however <laughs> many issues or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, the, the fact that the fact that we got year two was because it sold so very well in year one. The fact that we got year three was because we knew we were going to do um, uh, we knew we were going to do Vector and that was going to boost sales, which it did. Yeah. Uh, issue 25 was the best selling issue in the series. OK, um, you know, uh, and and we knew we were going to do the year after that because you know, that third year had helped the sales and. Uh, and yeah, we just never knew from year to year what was going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that, you know, I got to actually, uh, you know, you know, the series actually finishes a couple of times because <laughs> we, we have the war storyline that comes right, out at the end yeah. there. Um, and people say, well, could there be more stories? Sure. I mean, you know, that's, 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 it's like, it's only a year in the kid's life. Um. Uh, yeah, you know, this omnibus is just the it's just volume one of the omnibus. It actually has volume one on it. Oh, does uh, it? But uh, yeah, yeah. But that's but but there's a there's a rationale for that, which is that uh, you know the 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 omnibus reprints what has just been in Epic Collection volume one, two, and three. Uh, my guess, this is not anything official. Right. I would assume that volume four is going to have um, you, you would you know, just Looking at it timeline-wise, what's next? You've got the you, you've got the old Republic uh, video game comics, yeah, uh, and then next after that is going to be Lost Tribe of the Sith, <laughs> and that's like twenty issues right there. Uh, and then what's after that? You got Night Errant book one, two, and three. I was gonna say you can reprint Night Errant, yeah. <laughs> you got Night Errant book one, two, and three, and you've got uh, Jedi, which is the the Darth Bane book. Well, right. That's twenty issues right there, nineteen issues right there, yeah. So I would not be at all surprised if that's what they do, yeah. that there's a volume four and a volume five. And I would not be surprised uh, if there's a volume two of the omnibus for the same reason. Um, uh, but I have absolutely no knowledge that anything like that's going to happen. Yeah. That's just, that's just, uh, that's just me firing here from the, uh, the cheap seat. Yeah. I make those same kind <laughs> of, uh, those same kind of predictions because I've got uh, tales of the Jedi. Um, the Marvel yeah. Epic Collection that doesn't have any of the tales of the Jedi comics in it. It collects the dawn <laughs> of the Jedi comics. So, well, that's that's first, and yeah. but, but that makes that makes sense though. I mean, uh, they needed to lead with something, uh, and mm -hmm. and when they when they when they got the license, the first books out of the gate, uh, the first book out of the gate was uh, was the Marvel uh, the Marvel years, uh, the original series, uh, but then they they hit. Uh, they hit legacy. Uh, I think they hit legacy and us at about the same time uh, because we were we were naturally, you know, three volume things. 
because uh, we had yeah. like 50 odd issues. Right. And and actually, Legacy ends up getting even one more uh, go round because there's a, 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 a section that John didn't do. Uh, I'm glad I was able to finish Coder and not have somebody else come along and finish it for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. So, so yeah, it, 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 it's an immense amount of work that it was involved with everybody. And, and unsung heroes in all this, Michael Atiyah drew, uh, he, he, was, he was the colorist, and also he, he did digital inking on a lot of it. He did every issue but one. Wow. Uh, and and it was it was just an issue where we had sent it overseas because we were trying to catch up. Sure. Uh, that's the second issue of the um, of the Mumo Brothers story. Okay. Um, the the but he 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 drew every he he did the coloring and 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 what you call digital inks uh, on every issue but one. Um, uh, uh, Michael Heisler lettered every issue of the series every page wow uh and and you know and not just that but just about everything i ever did at dark horse uh and and so and and he had to you know whenever i would whenever i would catch something in the art and say okay this doesn't look right please we have to add a word balloon explaining why this doesn't look right you know (laughs) he, he did yeoman's work at getting that stuff done uh, and then, you know, the artists on the series, obviously, Brian Ching for creating the looks of these characters. Uh, Dustin Weaver, who is, you know, very popular now at Marvel. And I, I can't I can't uh, be happier for him because he 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 put enormous work on the page uh, in terms of in terms of designing the looks of things. And, you know, the, the, one of the one of the whole reasons we did the. Uh, uh, the uh, the the handbook uh, the issue was that he had just for the hell of it done his own uh, uh, cutaway sections of the last resort uh, and was I think he was starting on one for the Mumo Willowa and it was like we have to put some this in something <laughs> yeah it has to be somewhere if you look at those the characters are actually standing tiny in the, in the ship somewhere. Yeah. You can, it's like, where's Waldo to find all those. the characters. <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, they're great. Um, you know, we had, we had some other fill-in artists that were good. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Bong Dazo, uh, uh, he, he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he does a lot in that, that sort of the last year and a half or so. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, and then we have, such great cover artists. Uh, yeah, some of yeah. the best covers are, are the painted ones, uh, you know, and uh, and so, you know, everybody put a lot of work and a lot of effort into these books. Um, the brand name is is a critical thing with comic shops and how they order. Uh, so, you know, the numbers of a book at Marvel are just naturally going to be much higher than the numbers of a book at at uh, at Dark Horse, right. whether it's whether it's Conan or whether it's it, it's uh, it's Star Wars or whether it's Aliens or something else, um, but you know, I guess you know, kind of the kind of the thing that we're seeing here now is that the collectors are finally discovering that, yeah, uh, and they're and they're not just it's not just the Knights of the Old Republic books, but it's it's a lot of the Dark Horse books that they're they're really bidding up. And, uh, mm. and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good that Marvel is also reprinting all this stuff. Yeah. So it's, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, I couldn't be happier that this is all coming out. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I just hope that I've ordered enough, uh, right. and that my, my partner retailers, uh, have ordered enough, uh, and, uh, and 
you know, they, these things do occasionally go back to press, uh, but, uh, but you can't count on it. Yeah. They become quite uh, collectible. So, Even the epic I, I, collections have become quite rare. Um, yeah. Quite pricey. Yeah, well, the vibe, well, Volume One went out of print the same day or the same month that Volume Three uh, came out. Oh, is that right? And wow. It, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, although that had already gone to a second printing, so okay. um, I keep tabs on this stuff. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, if you would like, you can pre-order your copy of the Knights of the Old Republic Omnibus. I know I already have. Uh, we've got a link that will go in the YouTube description for this, and uh, you can also find it at Things from Another World, which is where I have pre-ordered mine. I know. Uh, Mr. Miller, you're doing um, a promotion where you're you're trying to gauge interest in terms of how many people would like yeah. signed copies. Is that right? Yeah, I I have a uh, since I am getting a number of copies of my own, uh, I'm just building a mailing list right now. Uh, yeah, people email me say put me on the list uh, in order of when I receive them. Uh, you know, when the books come in. You know, let's say if I've got twenty, uh, you know, I'll contact the top. 20 people on the list or if I've got 40 or if I've got whatever, whatever the number is, I'm happening to be. Uh, and, and it's gotta be us only because these things weigh a ton. Yeah. They, <laughs> they, they're just, Oh, they're no, they're, 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 they weigh a 1344 lot. Uh, pages, and, I think. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, I, I went and weighed one of the equivalent uh, editions uh, in, in the comic shop the other day. Uh, I, I, I had my luggage, uh, scale you bring your scale me. to the comic shop. <laughs> I, I actually did because, um, I have a little, a little luggage scale that goes on a hanger, uh, and, uh, which, which I need because if I'm traveling, you know, I have to bring books back or something, I've, I've got to weigh the, the suitcase. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's just naturally with my, 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 uh, work stuff. And so I, yes, I asked for a, I asked for a bag. Somebody gave me a bag with a handle, and I put the book in it, and I weighed it, uh, and it was like seven pounds. Oh, so wow. Uh, wow. yeah, I um, uh, and, and also just the way the postal service has been lately. Yeah. It, I, I sent something to Canada that took over a month, and sure. I I just cannot I can't. We're, we're talking about a, a book that is releasing at one hundred and twenty five dollars. Yeah. And, you know, I'm charging more than that. And I, I, not much more than that, but I can tell you that it's not uncommon for these books to go be 200, 300, 400 hours before too long. Wow. Um, and so, so get I them just, now I, while they're I, hot. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, and so, yeah, the, the retailer's final order cutoff date is, uh, is, uh, is uh, February 15th, which is uh, uh, a few days after we're recording this. Uh, that does not mean that they can't still get it. Sure. Um, that simply means that they're not guaranteed to get it. Well, we'll make sure we ship this episode in time. Uh, and we have now reached the hour mark. We want to let you go. We want to respect your time. Thanks for coming on the show. I do have one last very hard-hitting, important question to ask you, though, <laughs> before we do. Uh, one of our Discord members, Skuma Joe, which I'm going to go ahead and say Skuma. is the greatest um, nice of the other public comic fan in the universe. Everybody who joins the Discord, he always is recommending this as his favorite. Uh, he certainly has has uh, gotten me to actually take the plunge and read all what fifty six issues, depending on how we count issue zero, of course, uh, and the War series. But he asked this: What is the story behind the Griff puppet? I know that you've got a Griff puppet that's it's in a, a quite iconic photo. 
of you yeah, that's used in promotional material. So is there a story behind this? Yeah, Where did it yeah, come he, from? He, he's, he's not, he's not here. Uh, he's not, he's in, he's in, he's in my comics building, um, which sounds terrible, but yes, I have a comics building. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, it, it's a farm. I've got buildings all around. Uh, it's a old farm, uh, an old farm. That's cool. Um, now the, uh, the, uh, so, my fans in uh, Memphis, again, that's my hometown, the, the show Mid-South Con, uh, you know, the, the, the local uh, fan force Jedi, uh, the, 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 the Mid-South uh, fan force, Memphis fan force, um, you know, they, uh, they uh, were always big supporters. Uh, they were always uh, you know, very, very much, uh, they, I, I remember the first time I I met some of the members of this group. Uh, they the the women were wearing uh, Zane and Jarrell shirts <laughs> that they had made themselves, uh, and because they shipped Zane and Jarrell. And the next day they showed up, they had shirts with Shell, and of course Shell is the other love interest. Right. And there's a there's a there's a circle with a line through her face. <laughs> and oh I'm like, God. well, this is. So these are these are people who are industrious and who are making things on their own, um, and you know they 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 costume and they wanted me to costume and I said I don't costume, I don't costume because uh, I it's it's not my skill. I costumed only one time at my very first convention. Uh, I, uh, I I was trying to be Indiana Jones. I basically had you know I I wore I wore khaki and I had a hat and I had a gun. And my friend said I looked like an armed accountant, uh, and that's what he told everybody I was. Going to miss. But, well, but he was wearing this sort of leather, you know, Judge Dredd armor kind of thing, and I told everybody that he was the uh, the floor mat from a 1972 Dodge Dart. Uh, so that that you know, both of us, that was it for for us. Um, but you know, I dedicated a novel to him years later. That's that's there you okay. go. It's all good. Uh, but 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 anyway. Um, so I said, look, I do not want you to dress me up as anybody. That's just not my my thing. I said, but we want to dress you up as one of your characters. And I think they were pushing for Karth or somebody like that. Yeah. Uh, and I said, I said, look, uh, no, I tell you what, I will only, uh, I will only uh, dress up as Griff, and only uh, if the costume is, uh, is to exact scale. Uh, and I thought that got <laughs> me clear Off the because. Hook. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Griff is three feet tall, and I, I thought that was cool. So I uh, I arrived uh, at the, uh, the convention the following year, uh, and uh, and Tim Brown, uh, one of the members of the uh, the, the fan force, uh, shows up and produces this Griff Muppet that he has designed, uh, which is life sized, uh, and uh, and uh, which I then. Uh, I, I bit the bullet and I carried him around for the rest of the show. Oh, did you? Wow. Uh, yeah, in, including uh, I, I did a reading of uh, of, uh, of, a, of a Griff story, uh, the short story that Griff narrates. I, I did I did part of that, uh, and uh, and that was funny, uh, and it was it was just really it was really uh, it was really cool. The uh, the thing though was I had to get it back home. Fortunately, I had driven to that convention. Yeah, there you go. So I, I put him in the uh, I put him in the back of the car in the uh, in the child seat, uh, <laughs> and uh, in my daughter's child seat. And uh, I told this story before as well, uh, because I, I I drove with him uh, through the uh, the drive through at the Abner's Fried Chicken place, 
Uh, and the woman looks in the back and she says, that is the ugliest child I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, Griff would be so humiliated. So anyway, he's he's here uh, now. Unfortunately, he's starting to decompose now at this point. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Well, he, it's just a, the his, his the various you know his his spine has fallen out the back of his uh, and I've, I've, uh, and various parts of his costume are starting to uh, starting to uh, fall apart. But that's okay because he's he's a mastermind and uh, and. Uh, that's appearances right. are not everything that's right that's oh. what we're gonna have to name this episode uh the interview with john jackson miller aka the true story of the decomposing griff puppet so that does it for this week thanks for joining us on legends look back we uh, want your thoughts and uh, if you have feedback for us or for john jackson miller you can email us at legendslookback at utini.com or send us a message in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. You can leave a comment on this episode on YouTube or find us on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet at us at Legends Look Back or I'm Jared Q. Mays. Freddie? At Wake Up Freddy. Meg? At Meg Dowell. And John Jackson Miller? At JJM Far Away. Perfect. I didn't even have to tell you ahead of time that you were going to have that uh, cue there and you just hit it. <laughs> Excellently. Thank you so much for joining on this, us on this show. It's been an absolute honor. And uh, may the force live long and prosper. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I remember everybody to uh, keep the Utini fan code and be a force of positivity in the fandom. Take it easy. This is a Utini broadcast.